Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. Church, it's good to be with you this morning, and I want to welcome anyone that's new with us today as well. It is always a privilege for us to come and study God's Word together, and that is what we want to do now. And so, the question that comes before us this morning that I want to ask you right at the front here is, do you want to be a fruitful, God-glorifying follower of Jesus? Do you want to be a fruitful God-glorifying follower of Jesus? If the answer is yes, then please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Galatians. Turn to the book of Galatians. Today, as we open up our Bibles again to Galatians chapter 5, we are coming to this very famous section that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the reasons why this is such a famous and important section in the Bible It's because it helps us realize once again that God made us to be fruitful. God made us to be fruitful. God made us to display His character and His glory to the ends of the earth. And so let's read together from Galatians chapter 5 and we'll start in verse 16. Paul writes this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, Paul says, but, the contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, a few weeks ago, we looked at the difficult passage where Paul talked about the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit, which was this long list of sins or works done in the flesh that are perverted, evil, and obvious. 
And we know that Jesus himself said, A tree is known by its fruit. Matthew 12:33. A tree is known by its fruit. You can identify the tree according to its fruit. And the works of the flesh are the rotten fruit that are evident and obvious for everyone to see. Someone that is constantly walking in the flesh as a way of life is going to be clearly noticeable to everyone around them. But one of the reasons why looking at a list of fleshly sins is so difficult for a believer is because if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then He puts the spotlight on your sins even more. Because you remember, Paul said in verse 17, the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit. Where the old person in Adam is in opposition to the new person in Christ. In other words, when a true Christian looks at a list like this in Galatians 5, 19-21, then through the working of the Holy Spirit, you become more aware of the areas you need to grow in and change. You become more aware of the sins you need to repent of and turn away from. The areas where you are not walking in the Spirit. The sins that cause you to feel guilt and shame, knowing that God has a different life planned for us, which leads us to repentance and grieving over that sin and confessing that sin and walking away from it. Now you remember when you go back to the beginning of the letter, of Galatians. Paul said that Jesus gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. And Jesus not only delivers us from this fleshly age, He deals with our guilt and our shame as well. Because He accepts us into His family and He knows that we are now in the process of changing. He resets our moral compass and empowers us and guides us to live like people who are from a different age, that display the fruit of a different age. Because He made it clear what the the present evil age looks like, what worldliness and life in the flesh looks like. We looked at this by way of example. Paul gave us this different categories of fleshly sins. Sins that mark this present evil age. On the list we looked at a few weeks ago, Paul talked about sexual sins, about relationship-destroying sins that are all marked by conflict. And then he also mentioned sins of excess or indulgence, where there is a clear lack of self-control. And as we keep Paul's whole argument in this letter to the church in Galatia in perspective, then we see that the works of the flesh only conform you to this world. Because in Paul's mind, the work of the flesh and the works of the law are like the same thing because the law can only condemn us because it cannot transform us to make us more like Jesus. Because the legalist is someone that thinks that if they try hard enough to keep the law of God, then they will be more like Jesus and show the right Christian fruit. But Paul has made it very clear to us that it is only the Holy Spirit, who can transform us and bring us into conformity with the image of Christ and the character of Christ. Because the Spirit came to do what the law could not do. That is why the fruit of the Spirit is something the Holy Spirit produces in people's lives. Because what Paul makes very clear is that 
we can't produce Christ's likeness on our own. It must be the Spirit of God that changes us. Because it is the Spirit of God that produces the fruit of God that clearly mark who are the true followers of Christ. And so when we come to study the fruit of the Spirit over the next few weeks, I want us to start today by considering what Paul is talking about in the bigger picture of the entire Bible. I want us to look at the fruit of the Spirit in the context of what God has said He would do and what He has done so that we can appreciate what He is doing right now. Because the more we grow in Christ's likeness, not only will we display more of Christ, but we will display less of the flesh. And so I want to introduce our study of the fruit of the Spirit today by looking at the reality that Christians are fruitful and can become more fruitful because, firstly, being fruitful has always been God's plan for us. Secondly, because being fruitful comes only from the Holy Spirit. And then finally, being fruitful is part of how God is renewing this world. So big picture today. And so let us start by looking at at the context of how the fruit of the Spirit fits in with the rest of the Bible. And what I want you to see first is that being fruitful has always been God's plan for us. Now you would agree with me that as we study the Galatians, that Paul has been drawing on the Old Testament so much to show that being part of God's family has to do with your faith in the promised Savior, Jesus Christ, and not your own efforts to keep the law and become a Jew. And one of the things you notice in the Old Testament is how God has always planned for His people to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be fruitful. I mean, you see this in Isaiah 32.15. Isaiah 32.15, where the prophet writes, Until... Until the Spirit is poured out, poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest, then justice will dwell in wilderness, and righteousness abide in fruitful field. And the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. You see, the prophet Isaiah was looking forward to a time where the Spirit of God will be poured out on God's people. And as a result, there's going to be this new kind of fruitfulness for God's people where there's justice and righteousness, where there's this abundance of peace. Because Israel finds themselves in in a place where they are not being fruitful for the Lord. Sin has messed up their relationship with God and with each other. And it's like they're in this barren wasteland. But then in chapter 4, 44, verse 3 of Isaiah, he writes again that God will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And then verse 4, you get this picture of this dramatic growth. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. And again, the the prophet is pointing forward to a time where the Spirit will be poured out on God's people. And as a result, there's this dramatic growth and fruitfulness and blessing. And if you turn back to Isaiah 27, 
You see how God plans to fill the whole world with this fruitfulness again. Isaiah 27, 6. In days to come, Jacob shall take root. Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots and fill the whole world with fruits. And in essence, what the prophets are talking about is the, the restoration of God's people, where God will rescue them out of exile, which is like this new kind of exodus, and that He's making a new creation, a people that carry the fruit of His righteousness to the ends of the earth. Because then the prophet Isaiah comes in and he adds, Isaiah 14, 8, O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. Because Isaiah wants to make it clear that God is the source of all this fruitfulness. And then the psalmist picks up on this fruit-bearing possibilities in Psalm 1, right? That if, if God's people avoid walking with the wicked and rather be walking with the Lord by delighting in His Word, then you will be like a tree planted by streams of living water that yields its fruit in the right season. And then you get to the New Testament, and you see that where the Word of God is planted in good soil, it will produce plenty of good fruit. Matthew 13. And all of this is made possible because God has been saying that I'm going to send my son so that he can die for your rotten, fleshly, self-effort sinfulness. And I'm going to raise him from the dead so that this abundance of fruit can be displayed and enjoyed as I'm busy making all things new. Because Paul said to the church in Rome, Romans 7, 4, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to whom has raised him from the dead. Why? Why? In order that we may bear fruit for God. You see, it's always been part of God's plan to make all things new and fruitful through the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Because when we think about the Old Testament, everything the prophets had said about the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit comes to us through Christ and what He has done. Because Jesus saves us and redeems us from the present evil age, from our fallen flesh, and makes us new creations to bear the fruit of Christ and everything that He has accomplished for us. Because the Spirit enables us to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Because that has always been part of God's plan for His people. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, you must know you were made to be fruitful. You were made to be fruitful. God has united you to Christ by faith and through His Spirit at work in your life, you are to be fruitful. If you look at what Jesus says to John, uh, in John, John 15, you see how serious God is about this. Because here you see that Jesus says, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. See, one of the things from what Jesus is explaining is that you can be so close to Jesus 
like Judas was, right? Like Judas, but not really be fruitful. Because you're actually walking in the flesh. And as a result, Jesus says, the unbeliever will be cut off. But in order for the true believer to even be more fruitful, what does God do? He prunes your life through various trials so that you can grow even more. Because your godly fruit will show the world that you are in fact a true follower of Christ. That His grace is real. That Jesus is real. Because of the way His grace and His Spirit is at work in your life, especially through difficult times. And what I want us to be reminded of is that because of Jesus Christ, not only does God want you to be fruitful, you can be fruitful. You can be fruitful, even if the flesh seems so strong. You can be fruitful for God's glory. And that is because when you have the Holy Spirit within you, it is God that produces the fruit of Christ in your life. Which brings us to point number two. First, being fruitful has always been God's plan for His people. And now secondly, being fruitful comes only from the Holy Spirit. God is so committed to you glorifying Him and being fruitful for Him that the results of a life that does please Him is not left to your own abilities. But it comes from His Spirit that works in your life. In other words, believers in the Lord Jesus are not called to somehow muster up their own strength to try and produce this fruit in their lives. Rather, this fruit flows out of who God has made you in Christ. Because godly Christian conduct flows out of who you are in Christ. You see, when God renews our minds and our hearts, we develop the right Christ-like attitude that results in naturally producing Christ-like deeds. It's like an apple tree. It's like an apple tree that naturally produces apples because that is what it is. Now one of the things you notice when you compare the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit is that when Paul talks about works, it is in the plural form. More than one. But when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he talks about it as a singular. He doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. Now, some of this could just be that it has to do with simple language. Because when I walk into your house and I see a bowl of fruit on your kitchen counter, I don't say, hey, there's a bowl of fruits on your counter. I just say, there's a bowl of fruit. Even though there are more than one. It's a collective singular. Now you've got to ask, is there any significance to this? Well, maybe. Well, perhaps one of the things that shows us is that the word works, plural are the negative deeds of the flesh that human beings produce in their sinfulness. Works is what we do in our fallen human nature. And if you look at this list of works of the flesh, we already said that this list is representative. It's a list of several examples. That Those are not the exclusive list of sins that we commit as, as sinners. And someone might struggle with a few of these sins at the same time, but not necessarily all of them at the same time. But in contrast to works produced by man, when it comes to fruit, singular, of the Spirit, we see that all of these fruits listed here, and many others in the Bible that are not on this list exactly, 
This list is collectively together, they make up this picture of Christ-likeness. In other words, as you walk by the Spirit and you abide in Christ, then all of these Christ-like virtues are produced in you by the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit is the complete source. And like how one man says, I think it was MacArthur who said that, it's like a bouquet of flowers. It's one bouquet, but it's, it's full of different flowers. And a, and a Christian is someone that through the power of the Spirit displays all of these virtues, but some are displayed more than others. Because when you think about fruit, what do you see? What do you see? You see something that must grow. You see something that must grow. When someone becomes a new creation in Christ, they are not like a tree that is fully matured. Which means all of these virtues that we need to grow, these are all virtues that we need to grow in every day. And you might grow in some of them faster than others, but all of them are present in the believer's life. Do you get that? All of these are present in the believer's life. In other words, because of the fullness of the Spirit given to us, when we place our faith and trust in Christ, all Christians display some kind of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and many others. Because what did Jesus say in John 15, 8? He said, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And this is fruit that needs to grow. This is the kind of fruit that needs to grow in your life. But then the question is, how does it grow? How does this kind of fruit grow? Makes me think of a, a citrus farm that is next door to the Kruger National Park. Every time my family drives down there to the Kruger, we drive past this farm that used to be this amazing citrus farm. There was a blessing to so many people in the area. In fact, this farm was one of the most successful farms in the country. It was rich in produce. This farm even exported some of their juicy fruit to other places. And you must ask yourself, how did it get to be so successful? Well, it's because the farmer gave great attention to all the orchards. He watered it at the right time. He pruned it at the right time. He made sure it had enough sunlight. He covered the orchards from pests. And as a result, the fruit were produced in abundance. But you know what? If you go to that farm right now, do you know what you will see? Nothing. There's nothing. A piece of land was given to someone else and now there is nothing. Someone who didn't know how to farm. Because the wrong view to have about the fruit of the Spirit is to think that we don't have to do anything really and the Spirit will produce the character of Jesus in my life. And how do I know that's a wrong view? Because in so many other places in the Bible, we are commanded to love. We are commanded to have joy. In fact, what did Paul tell Timothy to do in 1 Timothy 6.11? He said... Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Sounds like the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? We are commanded to pursue these things. And see, the word pursue here is the word dioko, which can be translated, go after this with everything you got with great haste. 
Because it's like Paul saying to Timothy, if there's anything you're going to do, Timothy, before you're dead, then pursue these qualities in your life with everything you got. It's striving for something that you simply have to get. And so here again we find what God does and what we are responsible to do. There's this divine enablement, but there's also human responsibility. And this is the basics of the Christian life. This is the basics of the Christian experience. That if I plant myself in the Word of God, if I become a doer of God's Word and not just a hearer, as James tells us, then the fruit of Christ-likeness will be evident in our lives. In other words, someone that is walking by the Spirit is someone that will display the fruit of the Spirit because the Spirit is at work in their life. Because the habitual works of the flesh is the opposite. They make it evident that someone does not belong to the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is the inward work of the Spirit that is the outward indicator that you are part of God's kingdom. Because God commands us to do what only the Holy Spirit can do in us. God knows that we can love, that we can have joy, that we can have supernatural peace, because He enables us to do all these things by giving us His Spirit. And think about this. If you have the right attitude, then it leads to the right actions, right? In other words, the Spirit of God produces in us the right attitude toward holiness and wanting to bear godly fruit in our lives which lead to fruitful action. Because you can't say you love people, but it doesn't show in your deeds of love. You can't put on a fake smile and inside your heart you are sad and depressed and angry and you think that just because you become good at hiding your sorrow that you are actually being fruitful. Do you know what you call that? Hypocritical fruit. Hypocritical fruit. The real fruit of Christ's likeness is also evident because it has a context in which it is to be displayed. It has a context in which it is to be displayed. In other words, because the fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Spirit, it is to be directed toward those who are sitting next to you. Because the fruit of the Spirit are manifested in action toward other people. You can see in the Bible there are specific behaviors that are also described as fruit. Like in Hebrews 13, where if you are worshiping God with a thankful spirit, you are bearing fruit. Romans 15, 28, where if you go towards the, the needs of others and give towards the needs of others, that is bearing fruit. Romans 1.13, where if you're leading someone to see Jesus as their only hope for salvation, then that is bearing fruit. But all of those deeds flow out of having the right attitude that come from a heart that has been transformed by God and is continually being transformed by God. So the fruit that is displayed in the believer's life has this vertical focus between us and God, but it also has this horizontal focus and context where uh, the demonstration of God's presence and power in our lives is going to show in how I treat other people. It's going to show in how I treat other people. When you think about the first one, love. We're going to talk more about this next week. 
You see, the witness of the reality of the Spirit at work in my life, when it comes to love, for example, is not so much that I have this miraculous healing ministry. Track with me. I don't just show people love by having this gift of healing. It's about the gift of, it's not about the gift of healing, but rather the fruit of supernaturally loving other people, even when it's hard, which is the kind of fruit that does heal relationships. Because the fruit of the Spirit to love others when it's hard to love them, where I want to love myself instead, is a demonstration that the gospel has delivered me from the present evil age. And because the fruit has this horizontal aspect, where we display Jesus to one another, it means the church should be like this garden. The church should be like this garden that embodies the presence of the Spirit, that is this oasis of Christ's likeness and fruitfulness in the midst of this world, which is like a barren wasteland that provides nourishment and rest and healing in the middle of this present evil age. Which now brings us to our final point. Because first, being fruitful has always been God's plan for us. Second, being fruitful comes only from the Holy Spirit. And now finally, being fruitful is part of how God is renewing this world. We all remember the word of God that was given to Adam back in the garden, right? What was the command given to Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and extend my glory to the ends of the earth because through you I will create people who are made in my image. And as I create more and more people to image my glory to the ends of the earth, I will be putting my character on display through them. But we know because of sin in Genesis 3, all of that went horribly wrong. But not only does God want us to be fruitful. We see that through Jesus Christ, God is restoring and fulfilling the original commission given to Adam. Because what does God do? He takes fallen man and He makes them new. And He restores them so that we can do what we were originally made to do. Which means we want to focus our attention on the second Adam who came to image God's perfect holiness to us in this world. And now enables us through His Spirit to bear fruit, to to be that image of Him, now that He has ascended back to heaven. Because being like Jesus changes this world. Being like Jesus changes this world. Because when Jesus came to this earth, everything He did changed this world. In other words, God not only saved you from your fleshly nature, He will now use you as He produces the fruit of Christ's likeness in your life to be the change this world needs. And this is now, and the world is now busy experiencing through the church. Because what this means is that there's these cosmic implications for the fruit of the Spirit. That's why we need to slow down and look at these more carefully one by one because God is busy with this massive, worldwide, urban development and transformation project. And if you are a true, spirit-filled believer, then you are part of that project. And what happens is that God has wired us to pursue excellence 
and all that we do because God has designed us to share in His glory. He created in us His image and designed us to govern the world for Him. But as we look at the world around us today, we might think that sounds a little bit like a joke. How can this happen? Because if we're honest, we can hardly govern ourselves and get out of bed in time. So how can we make such a transforming impact for Christ? And the only way to answer that is by looking at Jesus. Looking at Jesus. We, we talked about this a little bit at our men's breakfast yesterday. Because in Hebrews 2, verses 9 and 10, we see the, the author of Hebrews writes this. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, and bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. You see, God made us for his glory. He made us to image his glory to the rest of the world. And we know we totally messed that up. But because Jesus redeemed us from our sin and God crowned Him with glory and honor, Jesus still wants to share the glory with us. As the author says here, to bring many sons to glory. And so Jesus endured a kind of humiliation that our minds cannot fully understand. In order that we might share in His likeness and display who He is to the rest of the world. Because that is how God is still busy transforming this whole world into a new creation. Your spirit-produced love for others can change someone's life. Your spirit-produced kindness can change someone's life. Your spirit-produced self-control can change someone's life. Because Jesus tasted death for us so that we might live for Him. And what the gospel shows us is that Hebrews 2.11, that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. And we know that we do plenty things every week that might shame Him. If I'm very honest, then I will admit that one of the reasons I don't put bumper stickers all over my car, or even the name of the church on my car perhaps, is because I wonder if my driving will be a good representation of Christ. I think I'm a pretty decent driver. But I also recall several times when my wife has to tell me to take it easy and now I respond to the guy who's just cut in front of me. Who's maybe not driving as fast as I would like him to. You see, yet Jesus is not ashamed to be our brother. Because the gospel shows me that we are all in the process of changing by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, what the world or the people around us might tell us, you can't do anything right. God says, I have prepared good works for you to walk in. What the world or even your family tells you, you are weak. Jesus says, I empathize with your weakness. What the world says, you should be ashamed of yourself. Jesus says, you are my brother and I want to share my glory with you. And so the more we keep our eyes on Jesus the more we become like Jesus. The more we become like Jesus. The more we keep our eyes on Jesus, the more we will display the fruit 
of Jesus. Because after Jesus covers our failures and our sins, and after He covers our guilt through His sacrifice on the cross, He empowers us to produce the kind of fruit that can change other people's lives. And Jesus is our hero that gives us the example to follow. Because not only does He share in our weakness, He leads us out of that weakness to make us a powerful display of His love of His joy, of His patience. Because you think of the way Jesus related to other people. He was able to move in in any kind of crowd or circle, from the so-called educated and the wealthy, or just simple ordinary fishermen. He engaged in all these different cultures, Jews, Gentiles, Samaritans. He could be in the city, or he could be in the countryside with his disciples, or even with his enemies. Yet, He treated everyone with dignity. If someone asked a question that wasn't helpful, he would rephrase it to make things clear. As one man says, I like this, he says, he wasn't afraid of what people thought of him because he knew that people would catch his purity long before he could be influenced by their pollution. And Christians that are growing in the fruit of the Spirit, who are imitating Christ, end up being used by Christ to spread His purity in this polluted world. To make the change that He is busy making. Because you are an example to others of what Jesus is like. Because believe it or not, someone is imitating you right now. The way you treat others, the way you control your emotions, your words, your time, all functions as a display of what God is doing in your life and through your life. And displaying the character of Christ opens the door for introducing people to their need of a Savior. Their need for a Savior. I think about what the Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He writes, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. You're like, is that that really possible? having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And he says, for this very reason, sit back and relax and enjoy being like Jesus. Is that what it says? For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Sounds like the fruit of the Spirit to me. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or what? Unfruitful in the knowledge of of our Lord Jesus Christ. If these qualities are yours and you are growing in them, Peter says, then the more you grow, the less unfruitful you will be. Seems obvious, right? 
In other words, the more you grow by making every effort in the power of the Spirit to supplement your faith with all these qualities, then you will become a confident, God-glorifying, fruitful, useful believer that keeps on growing in your relationship with Jesus. Because the more you imitate Christ, the more useful you are to Christ. And it sounds so obvious. It sounds so basic, and it is. Because the fruit of the Spirit are what we pursue in our daily lives, but we don't do it on our own strength. We have to rely on the Spirit to help us live according to what God has made us to be. And isn't it amazing that God allows us to be like Jesus even after everything we have done? Isn't it amazing that God allows you to be like Jesus after everything you have done even this week? But the question is, do you want to be a fruitful, God-glorifying believer? Because what we see in each of these fruits, as we'll study them, is that every single one has a root that goes back to the character of God and the image of of Christ. And if we think of the context of Galatians, again, Paul is saying that the Spirit is better than the law because a life that pleases God is the result of His work in your life. Because being fruitful has always been part of God's plan for you. Being fruitful is only possible because of the Holy Spirit. And being fruitful is how God is busy making all things new. And if God wants us to be fruitful, this fruitful, the question is again, do you want to be fruitful? Do you want to pursue Christ's likeness? Not because this is what the world expects of you, because that is what a Christian does, but rather because you personally want to do it. Do we as a church want to be a people where if anyone interacts with us, they find the nourishment, the healing, the strength they need because when they encounter us, they are experiencing the power and the presence of Christ. I think we need to pray that God will stir in us a desire for pursuing spirit-filled fruitfulness so that He can get the glory and continue to make all things new. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you don't only cover our sin through the cross and what Christ has done on our behalf. You don't only just take away all the fleshy sins that we've ever committed. Lord, you empower us through your Spirit to bear Christ's likeness, to bear the, the godly fruits of who Jesus is. And yet, Father, your word commands because you know what we are like. You command us to pursue these things. And Father, as we think about the fruit of the Spirit, we recognize, Lord, that a tree that is alive will bear fruit. Someone that is alive in Christ will bear fruit. And so if there's anyone even here today that they look at their life and they see no fruit. Could it be perhaps that they are not alive in Christ? 
I pray, Lord, through your Spirit, you would work in their hearts. Cause them to repent. Cause them to turn from trusting in themselves and cling completely and fully and only to Jesus Christ and what he has done on our behalf. Thank you, Father, that you are busy making all things new. Thank you that you are empowering your church to be this kind of oasis, this orchard of of fruitfulness. Thank you that we can display the fruit of, of the Spirit to one another and to the world around us. Thank you that we can be these agents of grace in one another's lives. and Help us to keep looking at Christ. Help us to keep imitating Christ. So that we might bear much fruit for your glory. And so I pray all these things in Christ's wonderful name. Amen.